figure we don't have to start right away. We can. Well, you've been talking for like 30 minutes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah we've been waiting. We've about a lot. Taking our time. You're warmed up. <laughs> Very little related to IU football. But... I'm in the zone. Oh, my gosh. Let me Got go the, back. the jaw muscles warmed up. Yeah, not exactly been a slim, slow news week for us either. So. No, I thought today might be kind of peaceful. And then at least it probably won't go too late into the evening. But who's to say? Oh, I was talking about a slow news week for football. No, we've had some news. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even, <laughs> what, Sunday, I was kind of like, well... Probably won't be a whole lot to talk about. And well, since we then, we have a whole list of things. I don't even think the thing so that's happened today is on this list. <laughs> no, I mean, not. I mean, he's in there, isn't he? Yeah, he, he's on there. Oh, he I've had a note. I was really excited to talk about him in a context of, hey, this guy will be playing for IU. Well, and you can still talk about him in a context of this guy oh, will not be playing for IU. He could come back. He Are could. we still doing this today? I don't think so. Oh. I, I highly doubt I, we're we going to have to. It looks like episode three. I, However, we can I, keep uh, an eye on the clock. I mean, it just depends. Like, I just know that our only goal was offense last time, and we ended up churning out 50 minutes of content. Mm-hmm. It makes sense to talk about defense, and then we can have yeah. more of a laid-back, fun episode with predictions. I, kinda, I, I would like that. Uniform stuff. Because we could definitely take a whole episode plus to talk about, you know, Big Ten stuff, as long as you guys are okay with that. Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah, I have no timetable the rest of the evening. I technically, technically haven't been on shift since 5, but things can change. Yeah. Um, we could record two episodes either. We want to. Do we want to, or do we want to? Uh, I would kind of rather do one next week. Yeah, we'll do it next week. I don't think we need. We can just do the one and come in fresh next. Do time. some defense and then right. study up for next week, and then we'll have fun more news notes. That was not English. Fun more news notes. You guys aren't going to believe this, but I actually have a class during the time we record this podcast. I didn't go this week. I because he records and puts it on Canvas. I oh. don't think we have a test next week. Class. But nice. Yeah, class. What class? Uh, history of punk rock. Uh, my art credit. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I'm taking a class next semester um, where we just watch Coen Brothers movies and talk about them. My friend took that class. She really enjoyed like, it. She did. Okay, good. Because I I've seen one Coen. I've seen No Country for Old Men. The only thing with that class is it's like five to seven thirty every Tuesday night is like a, a block to watch the movie, mm-hmm. which kind of sucks. But it's also Tuesday night, so yeah. But I think you get to watch them in the auditorium. Or not the auditorium, but like the cinema. I used probably, to yeah. Cool. I think and like Cohen, I I know my uh, my twelfth grade teacher loved the Coen Brothers movies, and I've had a few on the list that I wanted to watch. I was like, I needed a honors credit, and I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna sign up for this class, and if I hate it, I can drop out. But it'll be a cool experience if I like it. Yeah, you know, what? you roll out of class seven thirty on a Tuesday night. Bam! You turn on your TV. Akron's mm-hmm. playing Eastern Michigan. <laughs> Who's texting me right now from a number I don't? Oh, you know what it is. I got my vaccine last Thursday, and it's asking me if I feel healthy. J and J healthy? I was no, supposed no, you're to Moderna. Because I went to yeah, I got Moderna. I was supposed to get J and J at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Hey, and Moderna mates. I got the J and J, and I am actually fully vaxxed. I am legally it's been like two weeks immune right? over two weeks. Wow. Speaking of, um, anytime we talk about Jamar and Jerome Johnson, they are the vaccine. J and J. So. Ooh. <laughs> That's good. I was literally thinking, like, one of our overtimes, we could do, like, player nicknames. Player nicknames. <laughs> that like would also that. be fun. That would be good for next week with predictions and jersey stuff. Okay, I'll, I'll flesh it out. Man, I'm excited for, like, a jersey talk episode. I love the Oval oh, so talk. dearly. You, uh, you can tell. Oval's great. Uh, you can tell perfect discussion for an auditory <laughs> medium. <laughs> uh, uh, we're going to talk about colors. Thursday, I think, we were doing stuff in the studio for one of my classes, and they had a... Um, Throwback IU Iowa game on and IU oh, had the ovals. I, I watched that. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. That was a, a big Randall L game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I was actually at the game in 2006 when IU beat a ranked Iowa with Coach Hep. I was a little kid, but hmm. my biggest memory from that game is being like shocked that they could shoot off fireworks during the daytime. <laughs> it's like you can do that. What? Uh, I guess I'll have I'll, <laughs> I'll save the story for when we talk about Notre Dame. But I had like the second most terrifying experience of my life at a Notre Dame game. Hmm. At Notre Dame Stadium. Interesting. But might as well get started. Also, the cannon at IU. I feel like we don't talk about the fact that the we cannon. like shoot off a cannon. Boomer soon. <laughs> no, not, not, no. <laughs> Play the song. Hi, folks. Welcome to Reach for the Pod, episode number two. I'm Colin Culpa. I'm Evan Gerke. Patrick Feltz. And I'm Bradley Hohulin, number one mic breather upon a re-listen of last week's episode, so I'll be sure to turn away when I exhale every immense blast of CO2 this time around. Way to grind I'll make tape, a note on that, too. We didn't talk about this last time, but we are in the newsroom, and we are all wearing masks, so if the sound comes out a little funky, probably has yes. to do with that. 
I I have the privilege of having the board in front of me setting all the sound levels. <laughs> so um, if someone's too loud, uh, send your emails to cculpa at iu.edu. Um, I will probably read them. Um, and thank you for listening. <laughs> but, um, yeah, we've got a full slate today. We are talking about many things. We're talking about the defense primarily. But first, probably the biggest news in, honestly, a couple decades regarding scheduling at Indiana yeah, University. UConn. UConn yeah. in 2026. How about the Huskies, the Home Field Apparel Bowl. Home Field Apparel Bowl. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, for, for those that do not watch games for sicko reasons, uh, 2030 <laughs> and 2031, your Hoosiers, or maybe not your Hoosiers, maybe you're just listening as a fan. My your glasses Irish. are really fogging up if you can't notice so. that. <laughs> uh, we're staying safe, folks. Notre Dame is coming to Bloomington in 2031, and we're going to South Bend in 2030. I feel like it might partly be our fault, because last week we couldn't stop talking about Notre Dame. Uh, so whoever in athletics was listening, um, we're glad that you put that together after listening to our podcast. I think fault is a loose term. I think it's, it's because of us. Like they wanted, they we manifested it. I've been posting this into I've been go. posting this into existence for years. I've I've been in in Reddit threads and whatever, being like they're dodging IU. I, no, I'm kidding. But I have wanted to see this game for a long time. Uh, <laughs> and it has been a long time. The last one, 1991. 1991. Last IU time in, traveled to South Bend. Fun fact about that game: uh, that was the first Notre Dame on NBC game. They paid for the lights. It was. Yes. Yep. They paid for the lights. Um, As I pull up Patrick's story on it here, the last game much. in Bloomington, very much a long time ago. That 1950. was 1950. But the Hoosiers won. We won. That's true. So yeah, not very good all-time series numbers here. Twenty-three wins for the Fighting Irish to five losses and a tie. Most of those losses were before nineteen twenty. That's true, but also if you look at IU's college football reference, no, history, the IU losses were before the IU wins were before nineteen twenty. Mm, oh, that's even worse. Yeah, uh-huh. um, yeah, it's not good. <laughs> if you look at Indiana's college football reference page and look at the history of their opponents, um, there's very few that are a good record. Purdue's one of them. It's pretty close to five hundred, I believe. Um, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, all are very bad, very bad numbers that, uh, not great, but there's a turnaround coming. <laughs> not great. Are, are y'all familiar with the website Winsipedia? Of course. Winsipedia. Um, this will be a segue into our next segment. Apart from the fact, um, I'll probably end up talking about the fact that I grew up as a Notre Dame child. Um, but <laughs> Winsipedia, the fine folks over there, uh, they put together the non-conference records versus every team and also the conference, the results for every team in college football. Um, would, you, would you like to hear a couple fun facts about when records IU has against opponents? Undefeated all time against Oklahoma. 1-0. Florida 2? <sighs> Florida 2. We are 1-0 against Florida. Um, we, are, we have a winning record against uh, six SEC teams. Most of the SEC, hmm. I was going to say, including the rival Kentucky Wildcats. We do have a winning record. Um, undefeated... One defeated all time against Conference USA. We have one loss to North Texas, but we beat them once, so we're at 500 versus them. The mean um, green. Undefeated all. Can't say that. <laughs> this is true. Um, undefeated basketball, though. Yeah. Yeah. Although they we pro- probably lost to football too. We we. I don't know have, if Carolina Hazel ever had to deal with the the mean green. We have never lost to Eastern Michigan. No. At uh, Jeff Brom. Yeah, Jeff Brom did. <laughs> Jeff Brom, if you're listening. <laughs> uh, yeah, sorry about that. Actually, I'm not that sorry. It was funny. Um, and winning record against Washington in the Power Five, Pac-12? Yes. <laughs> Question? Um, I would like to say, not to rain on the parade too much, but in spite of all these great records, um, IU is still in a 0-1 to deficit against the Indianapolis Light Artillery Academy. Oh, God. This and is true. I think, I think we should put that on the schedule for 2030. Forget Notre Dame. Oh, come on. Light Artillery ain't played nobody, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> um, we also have uh, a horrible record against the University of Chicago. A former Big Ten member. Uh, yeah. Oh, wait. Powerhouse we should old, say old times. We should say we're recording this on April 20th, 420, and their record all-time against Chicago. What is it, Colin? It is... Four, twenty, and one. Oh. Uh, four and twenty. Art imitating life, everybody. It it's it really true. Um, we would have the Monon Bell most years because we've beaten Wabash and DePaul many times. Um, that's right. Division three podcast. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> um, but the segues into our next segment um, after the Notre Dame news. Um, IU's got a couple more slots from until 2030, even though those are filled up and more in the future. Hopefully we'll be around for them. But... Um, what are our dream IU out-of-conference matchups? 
Pat, you want to take the lead? <laughs> yeah, I think off the top, you got to say Kentucky. Uh, I wrote about this last year. Obviously, a lot of history, a former annual opponent. This is true. Used to have a trophy, bourbon barrel, uh, and a former annual opponent in basketball. Uh, but these these two teams, these two fan bases, have a lot of history. They don't like each other. Very similar, very close geographically, but yet culturally, some differences. South, north, whatever. Uh, and I think you've got options with this game. You could play it home and home. It would piss off John Calipari, but you could do it. Uh, you could play it at Lucas Oil Stadium. You could play it in Cincinnati, I guess, at Paul Brown. That'd be interesting. I was going to say you could do, do what they used to do in basketball, which was rotate between... Indianapolis and Louisville for neutral site games. Uh, they play at the RCA Dome, Hoosier Dome, former home of the Colts. I guess you could do Lucas Oil Stadium and then Cardinal Stadium at Louisville maybe because they played at Freedom Hall, which was Louisville's arena. Maybe Bradley can check this. That'd be kind of weird. <laughs> I believe it's next season, 2022. Well, I guess like 2023, the Louisville se- series starts at Lucas Oil. Is at that Lucas Oil, saying? that's what I'm thinking yeah, of. Yeah, they play um, Louisville at Lucas Oil, then they play at Cardinal Stadium in 24 and at Bloomington in 25. Regional opponents are fun. Yeah, and IU's got a lot of them. Obviously, Cincinnati uh, this year, next year, then Louisville from 23 to 25. Western Kentucky this coming year. Technically, is a regional opponent. They count. I think Ball State counts. Notre Dame, that's on the schedule. It counts. Uh, really, the only semi-local Power 5 who they haven't scheduled out of conference is Kentucky. Uh, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, hopefully, it happens sooner rather than later. Hopefully, it happens in basketball, too, because I think it would be a fun series to see. But other than that, kind of a left-field one, I'll go UCLA. Uh, Ooh. At UCLA? Get to the Rose Bowl. Preview. Preview of the Rose Bowl. Preview of the Rose Bowl. Excuse me. So Scout it out before before you head there. Yeah, but I think that'd be a cool one. Obviously, you know, any chance to play in such a historic venue is cool. So I would say that. And then maybe kind of what you did with the Florida International game a couple years ago, a Florida game of some kind, maybe USF because half the team's from Tampa, uh, just as a recruiting trip. I think that makes a lot of sense too. So any of those would make a lot of sense for me, but I would purposely – and probably want to aim to, to get Kentucky on the schedule. Of course. Evan. Uh, yeah, I went with a very different route and less logic. Um, <laughs> my And I didn't even know that uh, Indiana is undefeated against Oklahoma all time, but I did pick Oklahoma um, just because I think it would be fun to see both teams in the same reds. I, th- I don't think they should do red and white. I think everyone should be wearing their, their dark cream or crimson kind of colors. Mm-hmm. Um, color versus very color Very similar matchup. logo kind of style. And then... Uh, Obviously, they both have the weird names. I think we know a little bit more history behind Sooner and, like, the Oklahoma Land Rush or whatever. But uh, They're adjacent. Hoosier and Sooner, like, what does that even mean? Yeah. I think that would be fun to, to really kind of confuse everyone, especially people who aren't really fans of either team. And uh, some, honestly, good programs. Like, I think the games would actually be be surprisingly good. Um, Oklahoma's been good forever. Um, one of the, the top teams in this coming season. Uh, Indiana there in the top 15 or so. So it might actually turn out to be a good matchup. Um, some Pac-12 after, after dark games would be fun to send Indiana out to the West Coast and face Oregon or or UCLA. Um, and I know Notre Dame and USC has that kind of rivalry. How about so. Wazoo for pure chaos? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I could handle that. I need, I need like Pitt versus Boise. Wazoo. Wazoo. Boise State, make them play on the blue field. Oh, there you go. I, I I do love that blue field, so that would be fun. Uh, or as a, a sports media kid here at IU, make them play Syracuse for uh, bragging rights over who is the better uh, media program. We do already have the win over Missouri. That's true. Yeah, that's right. SEC East champs. Uh, twenty thirteen. Fourteen. Fourteen. Close. Bradley. Yeah, I don't necessarily have too much to add here. Um, any Anyone who knows more about music, feel free to correct me, but I'm pretty sure that Oklahoma and Indiana's fight songs are, like, very similar. Like, if you match, map them out on, like, a staff, like the Indiana versus the... Oh, gosh. Boomer Sooner. Boomer Sooner. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Very similar. Yeah, but... No, anyway, like, it'd just be cool to see IU play the other IUs of different conferences, just, like deeply rooted basketball schools who may or may not be good. Like Kansas would be the easiest pick, but I mean, that's, I mean, bold of me to say this, but I think IU would handle Kansas pretty easily. But Most teams handle Kansas pretty easily. True. Coastal Carolina, Charlotte, you know. Texas didn't. Uh, Iowa Texas Navy didn't. pre-flight and Indianapolis light artillery, I think, have some quality wins against them recently. <laughs> but um, yeah, UCLA, Kentucky, Syracuse, most of the ACC, honestly, would be really cool to see. Um, Duke football can be sneaky good, too. Some, some years. Just like That's the kick. 
Oh, yeah, we did play them once, didn't we? The kick was sneaky good. <laughs> it was. I didn't mean to cut you off there. Uh, truthfully, I had nothing more important to say, and I'd already honestly kind of run out of road there. So <laughs> it was, no, we were granting mercy. That's fine. Um, no, when I think of out-of-conference matchups, um, I, I think of what I would schedule if I wanted to go somewhere. So I, I have two options, because also I want to just fulfill a lifelong dream of mine, and that's beat Nick Saban. Um, <laughs> and I feel like Nick Saban goes to Nick's Friday night, plays Sink to Biz, a little disoriented maybe wouldn't handle Memorial Stadium so well with our wonderful student section. Let us play Bama or like 2035. Nick Saban's probably going to be retired by then. Maybe then. Robo Saban now. Robo Saban. Robo-Saban. <laughs> Nick Saban Jr. has taken charge at, at Alabama. No, my real answer because I'd like to see a team win and I'd like to take a little vacation is Hawaii. New Aloha oh, Stadium course. is going up. Honolulu. Rest in peace to the, the G Aloha Stadium. <laughs> OG Aloha Stadium, condemned by the uh, governments in <laughs> the Honolulu area, Hawaii, and such. Can, can I say with that, this brings up one of my other points that I always bring up in things like this. The Hawaii Bowl should be a bigger matchup. They should get like a Big Ten versus Pac-12 tie-in or something. Like I love the Hawaii Bowl. It's my favorite game of the year. Uh, Christmas Eve. The Christmas Eve time slot. So many great memories. Shout out to the Hawaii Bowl. Hawaii Bowl was fun. Notre Dame played. I remember it was a it was a big deal. It was a big deal. I remember that Christmas Eve was it wasn't put on hold, but it was like the centerpiece was. And then there will be football, which is not usually like Christmas time. It's usually like NBA, right? Um, but Christmas Eve that that year in the Culpa family was about the Notre Dame Hawaii Bowl win, which Notre Dame doesn't do a lot. They won the bowl game. Mm, I'm talking about travel. What about like a you take you know two random teams, IU with someone else, and do a true neutral site game in Europe like they do with the NFL? Oh, like Would Dublin. You want to see that? Yeah, they, I think Notre Dame's done that a couple times. Well, gone Illinois to and Nebraska were scheduled to play in Dublin this year. That mm-hmm. got That's moved true. back to Champaign. Put so on, on on the relation of the the non conference games. If you saw if you had an IU game abroad, where would you guys want to see them play? You can go anywhere, right? Anywhere. Hmm. This is interesting. There was a version of me that was going to be traveling abroad, like in Spain this year. So I'll say, I'll say Spain. Madrid would be good. What? What? Barcelona is not Madrid. Um, Camp Nou. Hi, hi, soccer fans. Put it on Camp Nou. Hi, soccer fans and Spanish people and general people who know geography. Hola. Oh, I have an answer for this. Uh, They're going to Japan for our favorite Twitter account, Indiana Hoosiers Japan, to see them play in person. Indiana Hoosiers Japan. Let's put. That that could be the UCLA matchup. Put, <laughs> go to go to Japan, um, play at. Is it the Tokyo Dome? Tokyo Dome. Yeah. You will have many drinks. I couldn't remember if Tokyo Dome was a real thing or it something is a real I saw thing. on a television show. No, I think it's a real thing. I, I think it's a so baseball stadium. Sounds like yeah. it's in an anime. But you can fit a football field on a baseball stadium. Except they, they do it a lot. They've done the the Fenway Park games, the Yankee Stadium games, the Pinstripe Bowls in Yankee Stadium. Yes. Yes, it is. And they're gonna have a Fenway Park bowl game this year. Purdue is playing Northwestern and Wrigley for all you Cubs fans. Oh yeah, they do. They do like to play at Wrigley. They, they haven't done it in about a decade. They played Illinois. Mm-hmm. Do you remember why they stopped playing at Wrigley? Because the field does not fit. Because it doesn't fit. I Wrigley has grown taller. They put scoreboards there. I don't know how they're going to change. They didn't change the dimensions of the field. I don't know how they expect the end zone to fit this time. Well, they were People supposed love to play Wrigley with... Field, but it has to be the worst constructed baseball field in in the majors. And we're getting off track again, like we like to do here, but. If you like watch a game, like the backstop and home plate aren't in line, like the the curve in the backstop is like off centered, like they were trying to go a different angle and they ended up building the mound, and uh, it's it is I will say it's a lot nicer now that they've added the renovations and the scoreboards, but um, it was I did not I went before they did all that I was not a fan. For reference, Evan is wearing a White Sox jersey right now. Okay, that's true, but I also <laughs> think that that in general, especially now, Wrigley Field is probably better than uh, Guaranteed Rate, which I don't even like to say. I still call it Comiskey, but um, I am wearing a White Sox jersey. Uh, but like, I like the old stadiums. Like Fenway Park's one of my favorites. You go in there, and there's there's that like the history mixed in with the the current stuff. It's a very nice stadium. I did leave my Chris Bryant jersey at home today. I'm instead wearing my Home Field Apparel sweatshirt. Um, not a sponsor yet. Um, but Connor, please. Connor, please. If you're listening. I'm Hi, wearing Connor. mine too. We love you. Um, the the Notre Dame matchup, though. Let's circle back to that because that well, none of us will be here. The players that will be playing in that game are in third grade right now, I believe. <laughs> um, but That's I will getting. I will be here and I will be in South Bend for both, hopefully, because those are just five years ago. If IU scheduled Notre Dame, we would all assume that like, oh, Notre Dame is going to pay like 
hundreds of thousands of dollars like buy a win because uh-huh. we're just that kind of school. But like, what what are we gonna look like when we play Notre Dame? What what do we, what do we think IU football will be? We, we we've talked about this a little bit. We we genuinely don't know, but we think it's a positive direction. We think, think we'll so. be competitive. I think the trajectory is obviously up right now, and, and there's no telling how far up it goes. I, I don't know what the ceiling is for this team, and I guess you know maybe we'll find out this year because this team is, if they stay healthy, probably the best team I've seen in my lifetime at this at this team. So we'll see. Uh, I think it's only going to get better from here. And for Notre Dame, obviously, last 20, 30 years have been up and down, to, to say the least. But you know th- they are always going to have the draw of a blue blood program which they are so even if they're down are they really that down so and yes they have been that down before with charlie mm-hmm. Weiss. so mm-hmm. well i mean even, even brian kelly that's some bad years not too long ago yeah well then 2016 they won like four games mm-hmm. they notre dame tanks sometimes which is really just odd um yeah i mean for a college football team to just i tank. assume brian kelly and tom allen will be the coaches of these two schools i i know there have been calls for notre dame to fire kelly i don't yeah. think that's going to happen he's a good coach uh and tom allen unless he wants another job iu is never going to tell him no it, it it'll be unless interesting things, he essentially does have a lifetime contract uh, unless, because with, the, yeah. with the, the clause that if he wins a bowl game and he gets another year uh, yeah. Unless something goes horribly wrong here, so, he's, he's here have, as long as he something wants Something would to have be. to go horribly, horribly, horribly wrong. Yeah. And, and, you know, you cross your fingers. That doesn't happen for, for a multitude of reasons. But If my mental math is correct, he has to win three bowl games by 2027 to coach the first Notre Dame. He, he doesn't game. have to win them. He has to make them. Mm-hmm. He has to make them. That's true. Make them. Oh, yeah. he was winning. <laughs> yeah. Hopeful. A 6-6 six six fan should be reasonable As enough. a fan. Um, 1991 was also the last time IU won a bowl game, the last time they played Notre Dame. They won the Copper Bowl that year against Baylor. That's true. It's not even a game anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like true. it's literally just they give you a bowl of copper at the end of the year as <laughs> a participation <laughs> trophy. Congratulations. It really is going to be so hard to, to really predict. This is 10 year, years down the line we're talking mm-hmm. about. Like this, it's... You want to say that, you know, both of these programs are going to be good and these are going to be great matchups, uh, but you you don't really know. Like, right now, on the schedule next year, we're looking at a top 15 matchup between IU and Cincinnati in the second week of the season, and when that game was signed, that would have been, if you told, told I don't know if it was Fred Glass who was part of that, but whoever was in charge, that it would be that kind of matchup, they would probably laugh you out of the room. And But trends, it, it's all about trends. And I think one thing with Indiana is... It's not just they had a couple years of good recruiting that's making them good. It was an entire culture change. And that's really what it comes down to, to building a sustainable program, is if you can build that culture, which is something that Tom Allen clearly came in knowing he had to do and wanting to do with this LEO, with the the, the 10 uh, his his goals coming in, that, like, you know, this isn't just, like, a fluky thing, I don't think. I think it's something that he's going to be able to build on for a long time. And we're seeing, you know, he's getting better coaches every year, People who are recruiting players who IU wouldn't have gotten a few years ago that that want to come play under Tom Allen, come play for these assistant coaches. Uh, it may not be the sustainability that someone like Alabama has, who gets the top classes every year and is always going to be good as long as Nick Saban's around and probably longer. But this is something that in ten years down the line, what Indiana's built may still be uh, still be lasting. Well, and it's a it's a sport where things can change in an instant. Uh, obviously, you know one violation of any kind whether it be and i'm not saying this is going to happen in indiana I'm not at all but indiana know. football notoriously never has violated an ncaa rule do not google the 60s or the 50s please do not look up uh, the first death penalty but you know one slip of, of something like that or something off the field like look at what happened with kansas obviously things weren't good there but you know overnight your coach can be gone so mm-hmm. you, you know anything is possible i guess with that and you look back 10 years is a long time you know 10 even 15 years ago, 15 years ago, Alabama was not good at football. Now it doesn't look like that's ever possible to happen again. But we'll see. Things change in an instant in this sport. That's just the nature of it. I mean, a decade ago, uh, what, it was like Cam Newton at Auburn? Mm-hmm. And, and James Winston at Florida ago? State. Well, no. Cam Newton was, was at Auburn now. a decade ago. Yeah. James Winston was a couple years after that. But oh, man. Like, we're, we're approaching 10 years since, like, Johnny Manziel. Next year will be the anniversary of 42-14 when Notre Dame got crushed by uh, uh, Alabama. Alabama. That's the, right. Yeah. I mean, Miami. like, you know, time flies, but the sport changes quick. So a, a lot can happen in 10 years, but I think this will be a pretty good game. Looking forward to future non-conference games for the Hoosiers. Uh, this year, of course, Idaho, Cincinnati, and at Western Kentucky. And 2022, all the same opponents, except um, 
Western Kentucky will be here, and we will go to Cincinnati instead. 2023. I do uh, like me a bit of Idaho football. I, I love the Kibbe Dome. Unfortunately, Idaho comes here twice. We, yeah. we are not going to the Kibbe Dome. I'd go to the Kibbe Dome. I mean, well, the Kibbe Dome screwed up a game result this year. Is it dead? And spring ball, the, they counted a good field goal, and not good because it bounced off of a part of the stadium, right? It bounced off of You know, weird field goals that were good, but not actually. Uh, I know IU fans can relate. No, they, it was good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Um, 2023, uh, Indiana State. Uh, we play Louisville at Lucas Oil, like we alluded to earlier, and then Akron, FIU at Louisville proper and Charlotte in 2024, and then Louisville and Indiana State 25. And then the first real addition that, um, what's this, Scott Dolson, and the football team can add is 2025. There's a there's a non-conference game there, unless the NCAA adds more non-conference games, which is possible. And in 25, I don't see them adding another Power 5 school. They, they usually like to stick to one Power 5, one G5, and maybe a second lower G5 or FCS. Uh, so I think that'll probably be like a, you know, maybe another sort of, well, you know, not a, I don't want to call it a cupcake game, but, you know, an easier opponent. They're not going to be playing Alabama in 2025 since they're already playing Louisville. Yeah. Um, because the, the goal for this team before in scheduling, I think, was to get the six wins. Not anymore, though. Not anymore. No. So yeah. so we'll see. But but that that was kind of the mindset previous. Yeah, but that, I guess my, my other point is we're scheduling everything so far in advance. It's insane. Mm-hmm. Which, um... <laughs> I, I go back and forth myself. Maybe I don't. I don't know if you have opinions on it, but like I, I feel like people used to wait and they used to wait. Like we want to schedule good games. We're gonna wait a couple of years, but we're only gonna schedule like two to three years in advance. And then definitely in the last decade of college football, it's gone. Ten years from now, when your kids are thinking about college, um, we're gonna play. <laughs> we're gonna play Notre Dame. Well, it's interesting times. too that it's still like we still see this trend with the, especially with IU signing Notre Dame ten years from now. After what we saw with the the BYU Coastal About Carolina game, like you you might think that might be the start of a trend where you leave a couple, you know, maybe you don't do it on purpose, but you're more willing to leave a game open, and that way you can schedule some some game to really push you over in the the eyes of the college football playoff uh, committee. Something like crazy like that, where you know IU is sitting 15th in the season, all of a sudden they have a, they have room to schedule a game against the number 10 team. To see if they can push themselves over the edge or something. Mm. One last thing to button up our out of conference discussion. Um, we, I, I alluded to it before, but I grew I grew up with Notre Dame. My grandpa taught there. He got a season ticket package uh, all the way through last year, um, and basically every year I went to one or two games. Um, the first college football game I ever attended was 2008 Notre Dame Pitt. Um, they had a flyover that day, F-16s, and right over the stadium they decided to turn on the afterburners. And I balled most of the first quarter. <laughs> it was so bad. I think I was like seven or eight. Well, 2008, I was eight. Um, it was traumatizing for a while. I was scared of football because I was afraid planes would be really loud above me every time. Um, that, that has since changed. Um, and planes are cool. Scared of football for other reasons, like losing <laughs> and pain. Uh, not, no, not anymore. Not anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> not anymore. I, I did say, hey, catch, and threw a football at you, and you broke down in tears the other day. <laughs> I did just have, have a flashback. Right in the grass lawn of Franklin Hall in front of the Ernie Pyle statue. It was... it's, it, it's true. No lies have been told. Um, but, yeah, to the, the meat of tonight's podcast, or um, vegan alternative. Uh, Thank you. May, uh Main dish, we'll call it. Uh, the defense. Last week we talked about the offense. Um, well, traditionally, um, not the strong suit, but under Tom Allen, definitely the focus has been defense. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it probably won a couple games last year. Um, even when it was not great, it was it was pretty solid. Um, we're gonna have some draft picks coming up the next couple of years coming off of this team. Well, we got some notes. Uh, Pat and Evan, do you want to start breaking things down? What can we expect this fall from our defense? Yeah, uh, it's going to be good. Everybody, I mean, it was good last year. I think it's going to be good this year. I don't know if it'll be as good, obviously. A coordinator change, not a scheme change, but you know, you're bringing in a new coordinator, bringing in Charlton Warren. Uh, it's going to be different. There might be a little bit uh, of an adjustment, but you know, I, I don't want to you know, jinx it or, or say anything too, too controversial here, but you're playing Iowa in the first game, so I don't think they're going to test your defense a whole lot. I don't think their offense is very good. It's definitely, there's no precedent. Unless you're Ohio State, 
yeah. that one time. But um, uh -huh. no, Iowa's definitely probably not going to be an offensive powerhouse. They're not going to beat you, you know, by throwing the deep ball. That's not Spencer Petras. So I think you're going to get a little bit of time early in the year to, to kind of warm up to, to the new defense, the play calling, all that. But, you know, Tom Allen's a defensive head coach, so he's got a lot of input in that already. Hopefully it, it's kind of seamless. So, And you're going to have spring and summer and fall camps like you didn't have last year, really. So that's helpful. Um, and the other thing is you are losing a lot, though, on the defensive line. And you're losing a little bit at defensive back. You're losing Jamar Johnson, and that's rough. But you're bringing back you know, so many guys. Tywin Mullins, an All-American. Micah McFadden's an All-American. You know, A lot of these guys, just super talented defenders. There's no reason for the defense to not be the strength of this team again. I don't know if it'll be quite as good as last season, but you know maybe the numbers will look better because they'll get a chance to pad their stats against some bad teams against Idaho, you know whoever. But you know I think this should be another very strong year for the defense. You know the, the heart and soul of this team. Yeah, of course. I think back to probably the best defensive performance last year I can think of, and just in terms of like wow factor was it Ohio State. Um, and they on still the, gave up forty five points. They did. They gave up a lot of points, but like you know, they gave up thirty five. They picked off just. 30. Justin how, Fields a bunch of times. How many did they give up? They gave up. It was 42-35. But they but gave they, up 35 because yeah, there's a pick, there's a pick six. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, we were on par with Ohio State's defense because we didn't have a pick six. We had the weird fumble, um, which didn't help. Uh, the ref may or may not have kicked the ball out of David Ellis's hands. There were so many weird things about mm -hmm. that game. That was such yeah. But, but also like makes you think. It was really the first. What Ohio State scored on the first three possessions of the game or something crazy. Like it, it definitely took some time to warm up. It like the game started and. Almost right out of the gate, Ohio State was hitting long passes for touchdowns, and it was like, what's going on here? This isn't one I've gotten used to. But but then it wasn't like that. Then it wasn't. The second half, they played incredibly well. They played what IU fans came to expect from them last season. I mean, we the, part of the reason Justin Fields' draft stock is interesting right now, apart from racism, is that that Indiana game has made people pause. Like, oh, he threw... Like punch interceptions in that game. They're going he, back and watching the tape. He got pressured more in that game than most games all season, and his decision making was was iffy. Uh, I I can think of the one in particular. I believe it was Jamar Johnson who picked him off. As Justin Fields was getting hit, he decided to kind of throw a sidearm lob. That was an awful decision. He should have just taken the sack, or at least made sure it was going out of bounds. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that just those kinds of plays. I don't even think when early in the Tom Allen era when everyone was just defensive coordinator I don't think you would expect those plays from Indiana but mm -hmm. they they were doing it multiple times no it was it was almost the norm yeah uh, the, the Devon Matthews interception against Michigan that left Tom Allen with a uh, scarred cheekbone uh, another example where it was just the the defense knew where they needed to be before the play happened which is it was almost incredible to watch sometimes that it was like they were ball hawks out there they were exactly where they needed to be they were able to force plays that uh, even if it was just forcing an incompletion by getting there at the right moment, um, especially with a guy like Taiwan, who's really kind of led that charge. Uh, as a freshman, he was impeccable on the defense and probably didn't get as much national attention as he could have because he was playing for Indiana. On a, they were 8-4 that year, but it was still not... They didn't get the notoriety that they did last year. And uh, Taiwan's just gotten better, and I feel like even now um, he probably doesn't get his name talked about as much as it should. Uh, because he's like, he's really good there in that cornerback spot, and he's been able to do a lot of you know pass breakups and stuff. And he's going to be a real key figure for um, and I I think not only just being a defender, but the kind of guy who almost becomes a face of the team because of his personality and the way that he is. I I also we're going to go by position group here in a little bit, um, but the the person I'm most excited about uh, coming into this season is Marcelino Ball because he missed this year. Mm -hmm. He missed Another this one. year. He was impactful, and and I I got to go to the Penn State game and photograph it in 2019, um, at Beaver Stadium, and it was the first time I noticed this. But before every game, he just stands and watches the pregame. Like the whole team goes in the tunnel, um, and the Penn State band was out there doing what they do, but he was just taking it in, and I I cannot remember how well he played. It was probably pretty good, um, because that was a close game for that IU team against. A, Sounds like there's Penn a story State. there. I want to keep that in mind. Yeah, keep it in mind. But every single game, he is out there. After I noticed that, uh, noticed that, noticed that, um, I, I think the next game was against Northwestern or something like that. Yes, I don't know. Was, I went back and watched, and it was like, he'd be there. He'd be taking it. Oh, wait, no. The game before, I think, was Northwestern. The next game might have been Michigan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That cold, wet, awful weather game. Uh -huh. um, but he was there. He was taking it in. Um, Purdue the next week, same thing. Um, Jacksonville, uh, the Gator Bowl, he was there doing that. Um, and, and just... 
he's he appreciates the moment. And he's so experienced too. I mean, Absolutely, this is his sixth season now, and obviously he didn't play last year. But uh, a lot of the, the stars on defense uh, are maybe just now getting into their junior or senior seasons, and have obviously been a big part of this this change in culture at IU. But you know, Marcelino's been through a lot more, and he's he's a really commanding presence on the field. So this is sixth year, right? Yeah. So I believe by that math. Uh, the freshmen on the team this year, I think, were in seventh grade when he was in his first year at IU. Oh, my goodness. Isn't that nuts? Mm-hmm. Wow. So uh, to, to call him experience, I think, is an understatement. And uh, obviously he didn't play last season, but you know, having him back is huge, especially in that Husky spot, which is you know the cornerstone of this defense. So you know, you're going to have him. You're going to have Brian Fitzgerald, too, who I thought had a good season. So I think having those two guys kind of does help make up for the loss of Jamar Johnson, although you really can't. You know, anticipate what that's going to do to the defense because he was just so good. So, you know, it hurts to lose him. It hurts to lose Jerome Johnson. Honestly, it hurts to lose Demarje Lewis to the portal, who I thought was going to step in and play some of the defensive tackle. But I think there are some good players in this defense who are, who are just going to step up and fill in the voids because this is a talented unit, and obviously it has been a well-coached unit. And I see no reason for that to change with Charlton Warren as the DC. So, uh, I think there's a lot of reason to think that the defense can win this team some more ball games. Moving to the linebacker position, um, kind of the meat of any defense. What, what do we need to look for heading into this year? Because there, there are some names here that, Micah McFadden, obviously, huge deal. But there are some other names there that you might not hear about. Um, who do we need to look for? Well, obviously, McFadden is the guy. He's one of the top linebackers in the entire nation, obviously. You know, an under-recruited prospect had two Power 5 offers, and now here he is as an All-American. So, you know, McFadden's the guy, and he's the heart and soul of this defense, him and Mullen. You know, they, they really are just as much of leaders as they are as talents. And I think that that is rubbing off on recruiting. It's helping in the state of Florida. Those are two Florida guys. Mullen's brother is actually a recruit right now at cornerback, Travell Mullen. He's in, I believe, I use in his top five uh, with a couple other schools. But, you know, this linebacker position, I think Michael Ziemba is another important one. Uh, I, I like him. I thought he had, you know, some, some flashes last year. I don't remember a whole lot of, of his play, but... He does have good hair. That's what we have here in our notes. <laughs> Very long blonde hair. Well, long, it's good flowing. question mark hair. Good question mark hair. Long does not a good head of hair make. You, no, you notice that's Bradley who wrote that, who also <laughs> has the best hair, head of hair in this room. Yeah. Yes. It, you, you will be able to identify his hair from far away, um, hopefully from Memorial Stadium. James Miller, I, I like to vouch for him. We worked on a group project my freshman year. He's just a good guy. Um, and I remember my freshman year, um, that Michigan game in 2018 was my freshman year, oh my gosh. Um, but he he's he's had like one game a year, but it, it's time for him to step up and make a bigger role, and I think he can do it. Um, yeah. But maybe not not the biggest recruit. He's one of those Florida recruits that Tom Allen's so good at, at getting, um, and ha- through that pipeline, that Tampa pipeline. Um, but there's a lot of there's a lot of room for someone to take a big step on this defense. I um, like uh, DK Bonham. Uh, he's he's a name that we didn't hear a whole lot last year. Um, from Ottawa, according to Bradley's notes. Um, but I know it, Tom Allen and the, the, the uh, Kane Womack last year were really big on him uh, as a guy that might kind of step up late when he was needed. Uh, didn't really do that a whole lot. I don't think there's really a lot of uh, opportunities for him to step in. But I think he's a guy that has a lot of potential and might be able to fill in. That, you know, We have him here listed outside linebacker. Um, but he's someone that you might want to keep an eye on to someone who's really going to take a leap forward. Absolutely. Um, before we move on to special teams, is there anything else we're forgetting? I know we've touched on the defensive line, we've touched on the defensive backs a little, but we probably need to go into a little bit more detail. I think, yeah, I think we should go back to the defensive line because I, I believe the defensive line is the key to this defense. We saw last year how good the, the defensive backs are, how good the linebackers with McFadden could be. There really wasn't anything out of the defensive line this year. And then, honestly, both lines on both sides of the ball are the, the weaknesses of this team. But the defensive line, I think, in particular, because the defense is so good, this you know last year all those interceptions happened without a whole lot of pressure on the quarterback. Uh, Taiwan Mullen and uh, Micah McFadden, six facts or six sacks for McFadden, three for Mullen, and then I believe what do you have? They love that quarter blitz. With they Mullen. do. Um, yeah, Jerome Johnson had four too. So you're really losing all your production on the defensive line when Jerome Johnson leaves, and. They need some guys to step up. Um, James said Jr. has been around for a while now and really hasn't produced as much as they believed he would. We're, you're losing to Marjorie Lewis now. Another guy in uh, 
you know, Sionofungatotoa. Sionofungatotoa. There you go. That's, <laughs> that's, that's a different one. I'll call him CF here. But um, he he's another guy that you kind of heard his name a little bit last year, but the defensive line just didn't have guys that stepped up and really pressured the quarterback or even got sacks. And if IU wants to really become a national contender, it's going to need something out of that defensive line. And the defensive line is going to be tested week one. I said the defense really wouldn't be stretched a whole lot and tested with an explosive offense in week one against Iowa. Uh, but when you're a defensive line, you're going up against the Iowa offensive line, even though they do lose some starters this year, that's tough. That, that is just a tough matchup for, for you and for anyone. So uh, I think week one we're going to see maybe somebody breaks out and has a big game that game. And I think if that's the case, then you can pencil, in, pencil them in as an impact player for the rest of the season. And somebody who I like to, to get a good look at is Bo Robbins, you know, four-star recruit in high school from Carmel, state champion. Uh, recruit he, the state. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Sometimes works better in other sports than basketball, but absolutely. Inside out. <laughs> uh, if inside out is IU football's approach, then I guess we're in Florida. But not complaining. Obviously, it's worked out well. So, uh, But Bo Robbins, he was a prized in-state recruit, and he was a great player in high school. Uh, played basketball, too. He's long, uh, and that's just as important as anything on, on the edge where, where he'll be playing. So. Uh, he hasn't really played neither of his two years, but he's 6'5", 254. He's big. Uh, he can get he can get around guys. He, he's quick. So I think we're going to see him play some. Uh, obviously, this is his third year, so you'd think it's it's about time for, for us to see him on the field. He's been a scout team player of the week, so may, maybe it works out, maybe not. Uh, but I think he's got a lot of potential. You also got you're, – you're kind of looking for that next guy to step up. You don't have a lot of depth on the, that defensive line. <laughs> CJ Person, Demarcus Elliott, two guys that have been kind of named as – Right now, the, the next guy's in line with, you know, Jerome Johnson gone. But Bo Robbins is the kind of guy who can, you know, come in and make an impact and get earn that starting role and really have a good season this year. And Elliott did play some last year. He, he got a lot of snaps in there. Uh, I actually had a class with him. I was in his science class last year, which is funny. But See, folks, you don't get this kind of access unless you attend Indiana University. No, this is this is a student thing. I have, I have a class with Samson James right now. Uh, I have one with Michael Bennix. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, it, I was about it, to ask how he was doing, but you, you don't see him apart from the Zoom window. So, uh, not even in the Zoom window. It's actually a synchronous. So, I guess it's kind of loose to say that I have a class with Michael Penix. <laughs> we are very much student reporters, folks. That, this is, that is barely having class with Michael Penix. See, I was focused on soccer this semester, so I was more worried about my class with Nick Sessick and the defensive mm. defense there for the, for the your number two ranked Indiana Hoosier men's soccer team going Big into 10 champs. Big 10 champs going to North Carolina coming up for the NCAA tournament. It's, the number three seed somehow. I don't really get how that makes sense if they ranked them two but put them at three seed, but uh, got a lot of potential there for the, the quest for nine national t- titles. I'm trying to brush up on soccer. Are they going for a treble, technically? Because they won the regular season Big Ten. They won the Big Ten tournament. And I don't think tournament. that's a term, but I appreciate Let's make it. it. <laughs> Let's make um, it a term. I, maybe if that gets close to happening, I might hear about it, but double is really just the, the Big Ten, the two Big Ten titles. Um, Regardless, our Hoosiers did it. They did. So shout That's out true. to them. Triple double. Third straight year of the getting the double. double. The Grace yeah. Burger. Yep. Last week, Mr. Anna got triple double. Shout out to Grace Burger. Shout probably. out to Ice Cube. Shout, shout out to Ice Cube. Anyone want to shout out any other <laughs> IU athletics here? Oh, we're taking a break from football. We should know if Grace Burger has been shortlisted for the uh, Olympic national team by the time this is published, which is interesting. And that will be fun to see Grace Burger yeah. play this summer in Tokyo, hopefully. Um, also, full disclosure, uh, Nofunga Totoa um, would be my first jersey purchase if names can go on the back of jerseys based on mm-hmm. legislation dealing with the Supreme Court and the NCAA. Um, if I can buy a jersey with name on it, that's the first one. I'd like to get a, a person jersey. Person. <laughs> person. Well, if we're talking all-time names, I made a note of this, but Xavier Trueblood, freshman walk-on <sighs> linebacker, superhero, young adult fiction, main character, however you want to slice it. I said this guy sounds like the Maze Runner. I... He's going to save the world in some dystopian future, which, you know, we may or may not be hurtling toward as we know it. But, yeah, that's a um, great name. One quick question I wanted to pose um, before we potentially move on to special teams. You know, last year or last week we talked about whether we thought the offense would get better or worse. Pat, I know you mentioned, like, with the transition between defensive coordinators with Kane Womick leaving, there's a little bit of uncertainty. But I think the defense – me personally, I think the defense could by all means get better, get more organized, mm-hmm. be better at actually bringing people down rather than just flocking to them, which they did amazingly. But 
if I run through the schedule last year, stop me when you hear a team where you think, wow, they have a good offense. Penn State. No. Rutgers. Michigan. <laughs> Michigan State. Ohio State. That, yeah, the one sure. All right. <laughs> Maryland. First year. Talia Tungavailoa, maybe I, not. I think Maryland is probably going to be better than we give them credit for. Maryland's so got I, some awesome I wouldn't stop but, you on that one, but I'd maybe like it would be a yellow light kind of thing. But in in the year in the year of our Lord 2020, when Maryland was scoring like 12 points, may, maybe not then. All right, so and then Wisconsin, were, no, no, Ole Miss, no. sure. Maryland, was, give, yeah, okay. Ole Miss is a weird game too, and that's an up tempo offense. But Maryland, though, they were a total Jekyll and Hyde team. They dropped like 42 on Minnesota, but they dropped, I think. A field goal on Northwestern. Or yeah, they dropped a fat field goal. Yeah, on on the Ole Miss thing because <laughs> I will defend the defense on this. If you watch that, Alabama couldn't hold Ole Miss twenty six points. Mm-mm. No, true. We did. Now we were coming off of COVID too, and I think That's that hurt our offense. Oh, that, also, that was really the big. Your backup quarterback playing with a separated shoulder. Playing with there were outside issues arm. there, but <laughs> the defense did a good job. Obviously, you could tell they were they were winded, and it was oh, a yeah. battle. But a lot of drives that should have been touchdowns were held to field goals. That's true. That that was one of the keys for IU all season last mm-hmm. year was stepping up in the red zone. They just did not get help on the offense side no, of that game. No. no. Um, and can you blame them? Absolutely. I mean, I, 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 I don't you can you, blame the offense. I, I mean, you can, but can you blame like Jack Tuttle for playing on half a shoulder? It's it's not it's not the players. I, I think the, if you're gonna blame anyone, it has to go to the play calling. Just yeah. if if you run 20 more times this that game, I, I have to imagine that IU wins that. Yes, I agree. And of course, it's it's hard to adjust your offensive strategy for one player, um, especially at the college level. In the NFL, it's a little easier because there's less players and you have more coaches and they're more experienced. But like, absolutely, if you make if the offense changes. That game's winnable, but I don't know how the defense could have done any better, given the circumstances. Yeah. Obviously, maybe a little more stamina, but, like, again, there were COVID pauses, everything. But, yeah. The, the defense is going to be tested, I think, twice this season, really. You know, early in the season, they do get Cincinnati. And they had a good offense last year. Desmond Ritter, I think, is one of the top quarterbacks in the nation. So uh, you'll see how they fare against them. And then, obviously, the big one is Ohio State, who I, I watched some of their spring game this weekend just to get some, some tape. Uh, C.J. Stroud is going to be the starting quarterback in my mind. They haven't named a starter yet. He looked good. He made he made some really good throws. Their backups made some good throws too. It's Ohio State, but uh, what, what do you expect? And then I heard the name Marvin Harrison Jr. score a touchdown, and I instantly <sighs> felt super duper old. We are in our teens and twenties, here, folks. I am and we nineteen years old, and I, I feel like I'm fifty because Marvin Harrison's son is playing at Ohio State. Yeah, I mean, I remember when I was. You know, back in my day, watching my peer Marvin Harrison. Yes. And now that I'm so much older than his kids, <laughs> it's crazy. But I don't know. I don't know. It's just weird to be like, yeah, yeah, this guy who I grew up watching. Yeah, here's his kid, and now he's playing too. It's like what? Absolutely. Like, even when it was like Michael Jordan's kids around or whatever, like Bronny's, like okay, uh-huh. th- these are like the stars of our time. They're still playing. Well, not Michael Jordan, but like he was, he was big enough. Like, oh, he's kind of old. Yeah. Get t- yeah. To a, someone our age, but like, I, I oh, guess... Marvin Harrison. I remember the Super Bowl. Oh, wait, his kid is. I like guess a good wide receiver at Ohio State. I guess Marvin Harrison's old. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's been retired for like 15 he's years. He's in the ring of honor. We should we should probably curtail the age talk because I'm pretty sure 70% of our listenership is our parents. So we could get into <laughs> some really some really choppy waters. But, but I'm talking about old for, for football players. So I guess yeah, yeah. He's, I mean, he's been retired for over a decade. I mean, I had his jersey when I was a kid. So it's like, wow. I, I will say... Um, I'm cursed with um, NASCAR and IndyCar. Well, IndyCar is cool, but I'm cursed with NASCAR in my family. And um, <laughs> age is very wide there. I remember the Daytona 500 this year. Derek Cope in his late 60s was out there. Mm-hmm. He did not finish the first five laps of the race, but <laughs> he went out there and he tried. Jimmy so, Johnson just ran his first IndyCar race. He's 45. Yeah, IndyCar. Shout out IndyCar. That was a good race. Yeah, that was um, a good race. Evan, you were going to say something. Didn't Michael Waltrip race until he was like 80? That's an exaggeration, I know, but I feel Darryl, like... Daryl. Daryl did, his brother. I, I just remember the Walter, because I only really watched it when I was younger, but I remember, I felt like forever they were racing. Definitely Daryl would show up once or, once a year, and definitely into his 70s. And I, I'm not sure how old he is now, but... Um, who, who ran the Indy 500 until, like, 2015? Who won it in, like, the early 90s? Buddy Lazier. Buddy Lazier, yeah. Buddy Lazier <laughs> has been in the 500 forever. <laughs> And you know what? I wouldn't be surprised in the next couple weeks. Um, right now we're looking at the 36 card count. I can nerd out about this, so I'm going to stop myself. Maybe we do any 500 <laughs> podcast, but um, that, that'll that be coming up in May. Um, 
think that does it for uh, the, uh, the the regular time here. Do we um, want to talk more in depth about the defensive backs? We didn't like. Oh, we can do that. We, I can they're try. good. Talk about them. They're really we're, good. Like, they're they're really good. Backs. They were good, and they're going to continue to be good. Mm-hmm. They're my favorite. And position Monster group. Matthews is the most important player in the defense. He might not be the best player in the defense. I think that's either Mullen or it's McFadden. You can really take your pick yeah. of those. But I think Devon Matthews, aka Monster, is the most important player in this defense because. Number one, I think it's cool that we have two players from Florida who wear the number one and are named Matthews on this team. I believe DJ Matthews and Devon Matthews, both number one. That definitely won't confuse anyone is on DJ the team. Not, seven? Both D Matthews. Oh, is he seven? I thought he was going to wear one. I saw like some Photoshop. Of him wearing one. I've got seven. the roster pulled up right now. If I consult, if I search Did I Matthews. Mix them up? Anyway, they're both, they have similar names. I think I just messed that up. Uh, yeah, DJ Matthews is seven. One, so, yeah, there's only one. Okay, there's only one, 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 but you can't have multiple numbers. Yeah, Jacoby Hugh and Reese Taylor are both number two. I so. confused that. My bad. But anyway, they have the same. Apologies they're both D seven. Matthews. They're both from Florida, and they both wear a single-digit number. So that's just funny, number one. Anyway, number two, they're not related. I thought they were at first when I when I heard the, the transfer. Like, are they maybe related? No, they are not. You know what we forgot about? The most important phase of the football team, and that's the special teams. Yeah, uh, but Devon Matthews is going to be very good. He is probably the Jamar Johnson replacement. <laughs> that's true. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, shout out, if you are a fan of Alabama, we are going to be talking about kickers for a little bit, so feel free to skip ahead a couple minutes. Um, because I yeah, saw, we just stick it to the Alabama fans a bit there. Yeah, in your spring game, you missed uh, a couple field goals. Bama's back. Bama, roll tide, uh, roll but tide. not through the uprights. Um Jared Smoller will be our kickoff specialist, hypothetically. Um, we have the Penn State kick here. Um, that was just a very poorly executed squib kick. That was, that was just a rough moment. It was a yeah. rough moment. You uh, got to give him some slack. It's on very that, rare. He posted was... a very nice Twitter apology. It's okay. We o- forgive only you. Only the oh, second oh, worst no. kick in the Penn State game. The worst one, I think, was after the Stevie Scott fun bowl near the end of the half when the Penn State kicker doinked it. Oh, awesome. Man. Oh, Joe. The loudest doink of all time. Yes. <laughs> Memorial Stadium is a weird special teams place. Uh, or at least it was. When is it is it constructed in a way that the wind blows in, do you think? I don't know, because they just closed it in. Maybe I mean, the maybe it swirls differently than it used clo- to. It's not entirely closed, though, because off to the side of the scoreboard, there is room. There's not, like, seats True. there. Yeah, I did not feel a yeah. single cool breeze blow my way during the scalding hot fall of 2019. So I'm going to go <laughs> against that claim. This is true. Um, we will send our um, aerodynamics team into Memorial Stadium over the offseason. I we'll think we should go in stats on that. decent kicking practice ourselves to really to really get a feel for the win. Kind of like um, Goose Island did after uh, the double doink. Ooh, where they, yeah. they set up 34 yards, I think it was the distance of the kick. And if anyone got actually made the kick, they got like free beer for life and no one even made it close. <laughs> so I think I think we should kind of do that same thing where we line up where the Penn State kicker was and the four of us see if any of us can uh, actually kick it off the ground. Can I hit the upright? No. Can I get it off the ground? If you hit the upright, yeah. that's like... That's almost more skill. That's That should be a point. The fact that he missed it isn't the most embarrassing part. There's nothing really embarrassing. I guess it's not embarrassing. Missed happen in college. Yeah. Sometimes people miss kicks. Missed happen in the pros. Hashtag, hashtag college kickers. Anyway, yeah. you know, it happens. However, it was the loudest kick I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. They might the posts. <laughs> It Fox Sports like it. one. I, I, they should do that for every game. Whatever. Should have done that for the pylon. Mike the pylon. Just, <laughs> thunk, just um, what else we got going on? Special teams. Uh, Charles Campbell is real good. James Evans. James Evans is James so much Evans. fun. He's probably gonna be the starting punter with Hayden Whitehead gone. Um, no one on the roster has ever punted a, a ball before. Um, James well, in, Evans in a college in, game. In a college well, game. Yes, not yeah. to scare you. Folks. <laughs> not just throwing random guys out there. Um, but James Evans is from New Zealand. He went to the same academy that Hayden Whitehead went to. Uh, was recruited, enrolled in the spring twenty one. Not only has he never been to the U S. before before he came on campus, he had never played American football before. <laughs> so the spring practices were the first look he's gotten at American football, other than punt this ball kid and they toss him a probably American football I'm assuming they're using American footballs in this academy but is academy is, Australian for high school or is this like a football academy I, I believe it's I don't know academy. I tried to find his age he very well could be like 29 years old no he he's young oh, okay. I believe like he's the right age for a freshman in college okay um uh, you could probably I have the, the roster up you can pull that up real quick but it, it's going to be um interesting just because of 
let's see. He was this, born May 17, 2001. So he's he's appropriate. Oh. Age. Um, I believe this academy is a punter academy. Like you, it's it's called Pro Kick. What a place. So, um, Kick Australia, they actually produce a they lot do, of They do, they do. And it's starting to reach the NFL now. I remember I read a story about it last year. Brad Wang from LSU mm-hmm. and the Giants. And, like, this is this is a, there, a, a trend almost. But seeing James Evans getting a chance to um, finally get people rushing at him while he's punting um, that are big, large men from Iowa and Cincinnati and Ohio State. Corn-fed. Corn-fed, yep. <laughs> Corn-feds will always get you. Um, that'll, be, that'll be fun. For, for maybe not for James Evans if he gets hit, but it's definitely a scenario that your your starting punter has never played football before. It sounds like a movie. It sounds like some like weird. I'm not living my dream, Dad. I'm living yours. <laughs> do you guys want some insight into our creative process? Should, do you guys want to try and do like a story on that? That seems like ultimate story potential. Well, I already have that on the list. Please I've been do. Working. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. As as your boss to an extent, please do this. I remember well, I, I when we were doing the um the story of who is leaving in uh, like February when everyone was announcing. Um, I Hayden White had obviously announced he was leaving, and I, I wrote down what it means for IU. It includes James Evans probably coming on, and you actually put a comment like, "Please write a story about this." I did. Put, so I it's remember been this. The top of my head since then. Yeah, this is going to be uh, an interesting site. I'm excited. If any other journalists are listening to this podcast, don't steal my story. Dibs. Thank you. You didn't hear that. Dibs. Dibs are real. Dibs are real. James Evans is actually a figment of our imagination. We created because we were sad about Hayden Whitehead leaving. It's Last time I checked, he was uh, trying to find a way to either get a visa or marry his girlfriend so that he could live in the United States. When did, when Wait, did is this you real? This? So, you know, this is kind of off the book, so I don't know how much we're allowed to get into this. But We can cut it out if it's too bad. Absolutely. No, it's not bad. Like, I just don't know what we're allowed to disclose. But <laughs> the reason I know bad. this is because, you know, you guys were name-dropping players earlier. As I might have mentioned... I had a, a class in the the business school with uh, the place kicker, Charles Campbell. Very good. 10 of 11 on field goals this year. Hit it from 48, 52, and 53 yards. So, like, pretty solid. Killer. Yeah. Um, he enjoys duck hunting. Fun fact. Uh-huh. Um, so that's my little in that I've gotten. But, uh, yeah, the special team's honestly pretty solid. The fact that we don't have a – that IU doesn't have a punter who has punted in a collegiate game maybe a little concerning, but – uh, long snapper Sean Raker, he snapped for Logan Justice a few years ago. Whitehead and Campbell last year. He did disc and shot in high school. It's something I found. So I think it's safe to say that the special teams is it's in good hands. Yeah. And, what about returners, too? You can say what you want to say. But well, you we'll have the returner that. specialist, as yeah. going to say. David Ellis? Yeah, DJ Matthews comes DJ in. DJ Matthews, yeah. Not only, I mean, David David Ellis is, a, is an option. Um, you have Reese Taylor, mm-hmm. who was a returner last year. And then you have DJ Matthews, who I assume is your starter off the bat because he does hold the record at Florida State for return yards. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing he's kind of got the, the experience and the nod. But um, that's a good step. A lot of times you might have you know two guys back there, whoever gets it gets mm-hmm. it, and mm-hmm. then they argue and yeah, no, I want the ball, and you just go back totally. To for, yeah, just play rock paper scissors. Yeah, bam. Yeah. So we hope to see some really fun kickoff returns. That being said, gentlemen. We do value your health, so the, the fair catch is always an option. Yes, it Please is. Do a fair catch. Kickoffs my, are uh, dangerous. My yes. my least favorite play in sports is waiting for a kickoff, or the least favorite moment in sports, a, a, apart from anything injury related, is waiting for someone to catch the ball and you cannot see the ball on screen, or like you're watching the field and you just see someone that's waiting for the kick return to hit like a level you can see, and I hate it, and I. I will shout if you are around me at the stadium this fall. I will shout, let it drop, <laughs> let it roll, dude. Don't touch it. Would you say <laughs> punting or kicking is worse? Because with punts, like with the oh, kickoff, absolutely. usually the, the, they're, they're way away from the, yeah. when the, the guy catches it. But, and plus, with kicking, you have to catch it because if you don't catch it, it doesn't go in the end zone. They can just recover it and it's a fumble. No, that's a good point. Punting. But with with punting, like usually you're surrounded by guys when it gets to you, and sometimes they don't heed the fair catch. Sometimes you don't put up a fair catch, and you see some guys get smoked. Except when you do a fun mental play and you like um, you, you you act like you fair catch. I think North Texas did this against the Power Five school once a couple of years they ago. They did, and then they made a rule so that you can't do it anymore. Really? Yeah. I mean, dude, they're like just streaking down the field. If there's any doubt on what, about whether or not you're allowed to like just kill a man where he stands, they got to put a law yeah. in about that. That's I like true. when they do it where the one guy calls it for a catch and it looks like he's camping under it and the ball's on the other side of the field and someone else is there to catch it and then no one's over there because they all thought it was going to the other guy. This is good, too. Uh, I, 
I, I'm not I necessarily a, endorsing this for our Hoosiers because that there's lots of ways that these can go wrong. But this isn't Bush League stuff. It's if, above that. But. If uh, if uh, other teams that I am at least neutral towards want to try that, I would fully support it. I have a question about kickoff stuff too. Um, this is kind of irrelevant. I don't even know if it really applies to um, college football. But how do you guys feel about onside kicks? Because I'm firmly in the camp that they should get rid of onside kicks and replace it with a fourth and fifteen. So you get one chance to go 15 yards to keep the ball, or you turn it over. The option there, maybe. But I think would, I don't think the option. You got you got to go. Yeah, true. You know what? One you, or the you other. Would not choose 15 yards because, because the onside, onside kicks, kicks are suck. so improbable. I but think maybe um, that's the point that they're improbable. I don't know. I think we should make the SEC. No, not the SEC. What, what, what would we like? Maction. Try it in the MAC. Try it in the MAC. Try it in the MAC. Yeah, I agree. And then I will have a stronger opinion on it because, like, apart from the XFL, I haven't ever really seen it before, and the XFL was unique. Mm-hmm. XFL is so weird. Is unique. With the old, the, the old coin flip where they put a ball on the twenty-five and oh, the players race. The, the new XFL. XFL two. X, yeah. Well, XFL three? Question mark. I don't know. With the Rock. Is, did know. did XFL two die or did they just stop playing because of the the Rock? Pandemic? They stopped playing. They didn't finish their first season, and then the Rock bought it. I believe. So, so now is this like they're 2. like two point five. Yes. yes, if they play again, they we'll might see. merge with the CFL also, which is it's weird. Odd. Let's let's leave it. What, that. It is weird. <laughs> I think that does it though for our regular time here. So real quick before we head into overtime, tell the folks where they can find you. Start with Pat. At Patrick J Feltz. At Evan Gerke on Twitter. Cool. Um, you cannot find me, uh, Bradley. No, that's not true. Uh, but Bradley. <laughs> Uh, I'm at Bradley Hohulan on Twitter, but honestly, just go to idsnews.com, type in my name as you see it, read my stuff. It's fun. You might enjoy it. That's true. Bradley's stuff is very fun. Yes, it is. Great Thank columns. You. Uh, Check out everyone's stuff. Shout out. Guys, shout out. we're good writers. Shout out to Bradley. He was second in the sports column category this week at the um, the Indiana Collegiate Press Association uh, Awards. Was I really? This is you were. Bradley. <laughs> the, congratulations. This oh. is news to Bradley, so congratulations. Which one was it? Um, it was the underappreciated sports one. That was a fun there, one. I think most of your basketball stuff has just not been in a window yet, so you're still eligible, and that was, I think, some of your best work. So well, maybe more coming for you. Well, awesome. that's lovely news. Keep an eye on Bradley, so folks. Congra- Bradley to the moon. Congratulations. Yeah. You can you can find me. Uh, you, you can find me on social media. I'm on Twitter too much. You can find me at, at Colin Culpa. And uh, follow IDS News on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Um, we don't have Snapchat. We do have tw- TikTok. Um, there's stuff that goes on TikTok. Uh, check that out. Um, if you don't have TikTok, that's okay. Um, also, read the website, idsnews.com. And I think it's time for overtime. Indeed it is. And I'm very excited about overtime this week. Gentlemen, spring has hardly sprung. And yet, I don't think I'm alone in saying that we are all looking toward the summer. The weather's warming up. Vaccines are being put in arms. States and municipalities are peeling back health and safety protocols with alarming prematurity. But all that is to say, it seems like for the first time in a while, we might be headed toward what is colloquially known as a hot girl summer. Hot girl summer, of course, a term coined by rapper Megan Thee Stallion in her, I think, 2018 smash hit of the same name. 2019. Thank you, Meg. (laughs) Excellent. And since then, she's done very little to relinquish her spot atop the charts with other hits such as Savage featuring Beyonce or, of course, her collaboration with one Cardi B, simply known as WAP, which... I assume is a misspelled but endearing homage to Watt Fillier from <laughs> IU. Yeah. Uh, but I digress. Absolutely. Gentlemen, if we think about the players we have discussed here, as they head toward the summer, they're in spring practice, what is it that they need to improve or what they can build upon to really thrive? And so I ask you, if we borrow from the robust musical canon bestowed upon us by the female pop icons of our age, what songs must be the soundtrack for these players in the spring so that they can attain the coveted, the elusive Hot Girl Summer? I've said enough. I will turn the floor to you. Great question, Bradley. Uh, mine kind of is related to this, but also not. So Jamar Johnson is no longer on the team. However, if you go read my story on IDSnews.com, which was published last week, called IU Football Hungry to Build Off of 2020 Success in 2021. Nice plug. Thank you very much. Good headline, too. Yeah. Thank you, thank SEO you. SEO friendly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you will see a header image where our good friend Jamar Johnson, number 22, is jumping about, I don't know, very far off the ground. That's some would say so he's... So far off the ground. He so, is ascending. Some would say he's levitating. Like oh. our, our good friend Dua Lipa featuring Da Baby. Let's go. Levitating by Dua Lipa <laughs> is the song here for Jamar Johnson. 
Thank you for your time. Levitating cures diseases, by the way. Um, Unmedically proven. Very good song, but, too. Um, I like it a lot. so good. Um, <laughs> I have a very specific one as well. Uh, talked about him earlier in the show, uh, Marcelino Ball. When, when, when he's standing out there, but uh, did I steal something? Uh, well, ahead. you might have different songs though. That's true, but I, I, mine is also about Marcelino Ball. That's well, fine. Hey, playlist. We'll make a playlist maybe. Um, no, I, I am envisioning him standing by the field goal post at a whiteout in Beaver Stadium, um, and just savage. Savage. Okay. See, I went very different. Um, I went a little almost before our time. Uh, I went with "Wannabe" by Spice Girls, Ooh. Um, because I believe if you ask Marcelino what he wants, what he really, really wants is to have a uh, healthy and constructive year to kind of uh, live up to almost what he's been billed at for IU, uh, IU football. I was envisioning one of those. Uh, I like that. Um, mm-hmm. I was envisioning, like, you know in movies when, like, maybe it's, like, full screen or when you watch it on TV, and then it gets, like, super intense, and then it starts to go to widescreen, so the black bars just come in at the top oh, and, like, yeah. it zooms out a little. I'm thinking that, slow camera pan, wide out at Beaver Stadium, and then it's just boom, 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 and then Savage starts playing. That, See, I whenever I think chills. about wannabe, I think of the, about that scene from Chicken Little. Um, of course. So that's kind of like my image, but uh, <laughs> very different image. Him, but... maybe him and an IU fan going back and forth about, you know, tell me what you want, what you really, really want, and then he tells them what he wants. I want what he really, really wants. Six pick six. Um, More of a tackle guy, but yeah. Bradley. So I, I had a few here that uh, can loosely fit a number of different players, but one I really enjoy is Raheem Lane, obviously. He, uh, he missed some time due to injury this year. But with the secondary sort of influx with the departure of talent, we're probably going to see him moving around cornerback, safety. In fact, we're probably going to see this with a lot of people uh, moving between different positions of linebackers. And I think a great one for that would be positions by the one and only Ariana Grande. Um, all about being adaptable, being able to switch it up. This is true. Switching the positions for you. You, of course, being Tom Allen cooking in the kitchen, and I'm in the bedroom. Kitchen, obviously, referring to the secondary bedroom, probably being uh, more on the outsides, covering the wide receivers. But another note I wanted to make, there are a lot of guys on this team who are just just absolute beasts. Just like the bodies we have here with... You know, I mean, Demarge Lewis, he's leaving 6'3", 301. Bo Robbins at 6'5", 254. Uh, there are other examples here, but oh, Sio Nafongo Totoa at six foot four, three oh five. You might remember a certain song from I believe two thousand fourteen by a singer known as Tovlo, oh Talking Body. Oh if we're talking body, you got a perfect one, so put it on me. Put it on me. Me being the defender, we're gonna see some men with perfect bodies just absolutely hammering some offenders, and I for one cannot wait to see it. If I may use one more here. Um, Absolutely. We talked about some guys who really haven't gotten their chance yet. Uh, Bo Robbins, in particularly, on the defensive line. Uh, his story may be unwritten by Natasha Benningfield. Ooh. I, that is a perfect... I love that song that so much. Summer? I do too. I was listening to that yesterday. Um, unashamedly. Uh, usually do sing along to that one. But uh, Bo Robbins is a guy who Jeez. has not had his, uh, his time there. So he's, his legacy at IU is uh, definitely unwritten. Is that a summer anthem, though? Uh, surely. You have you if you have never driven down a highway or a, or a country windows road, down, windows down, music up. I mean, I'm staring at the open field before you, open up shut the dirty down, windows. shut down that passing window. Ooh, this is true. Let the sun illuminate the the ball, the ball that the you that, that you can find. find that you can find reaching. For that ball in the distance. Reach for the pod. There we go. That's so, the pod. Pod. so close. You can almost taste it. Release that inhibition. And, of course, feel the rain on your skin. Feel the rain on your skin. No one else can.